welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. We're going to read from God's Word today, and uh, I want to read the passage of Scripture then and then kind of break it down, but we're going to start off in James chapter 5. So if you have a Bible with you or you want to look on on the screens, uh, James chapter 5, verse 13. It says this, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Verse 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And this is our focus for this morning. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, prayed earnestly that no rain would fall. None fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and earth began to yield its crops. We're reading from a passage in the Bible that a a man named James wrote to the churches to give them an encouragement in some places to kind of bring them back into, uh, they kind of wandered off track in a few different places. But in this passage here, he's encouraging the church around the power of prayer. Again, as we talk about families, as we talk about the family unit, what is so important to families thriving and growing is prayer. Praying together, knowing how to pray together. And so this morning we're going to encourage ourselves around the, the, the idea of prayer. But in verse 17, there's something that's really important. James says to the church, and he says this, Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Now, who is your favorite superhero? Captain America? Good choice. Anyone else have a favorite superhero that they, uh, they, they, you know, they like or they liked when they were growing up? Anyone? Spider-Man? Spider-Man. We've got some Spider-Man fans out there. Any adults want to confess your sins one to another and tell us who your favorite superhero is? Wonder Woman? The Phantom? Who else we got? Batman? Xena? Who's Xena? Well, there's lots of superheroes here. Let me tell you a little story. I grew up in Nolamara. Who knows where Nolamara is? Yeah, it's the Bronx. That's where, where you know, stuff happens. And we grew up in, in Holmes West Housing, and uh, we didn't have a lot of cash, but I wanted to be a superhero. And uh, I don't know if you grew up and you had the same kind of idea that you wanted to be a superhero, and so you kind of make your own superhero costume. Anyone ever made their own superhero costume before? Come on. Again, we're confessing our sins one to another, praying that we'll be healed. I used to make my own superhero costume, and I brought some along today to show you what a Nolamara boy would use as a superhero costume when he had no uh, money. Obviously, every superhero costume needs... I didn't bring my Superman jocks because I thought that would be quite inappropriate... 
But uh, every superhero needs the, the, the underwear on the outside because that's obviously where the power comes from. So you've got to make your own power belt. Boys, come in. Come grab a seat. Come inside. You've got to grab your own power belt. Obviously, you need to have some sort of eye protection from the bad people, but also give yourself like uh, vision to be able to see through walls, see through doors, see through people. So you have to have these goggle things. Obviously, you don't need to breathe. <laughs> When you're talking either, but one of the most important things, oh my gosh, it's fogging up. One of the most important things for any superhero is the, the cape. And who, tell me now, who did not do this when they were younger? You could not hang on the clothesline without a cape. Yeah, I'm not going to show you that side today. And the obvious accessory that is most necessary is the peg. Don't recognize me, do you? Do you? No. Well, this is what my life used to look like as a superhero. I would get dressed up and I would save people's lives. All of my family members are still here today because of my superhero status. I would run through the hallway at night, saving them from gremlins. I seriously can't breathe in that thing. Saving them from everything else. But I had this kind of fascination growing up that I wanted to have superpowers, that I wanted to have superhuman strength. Anyone else relate to this? I think there's something inside of us that knows that there is more to life than what we are experiencing. But what's real important about James's writing to the church here is that he tells them that they are actually not superhuman. Anyone realize that you're not actually superhuman? That you're a normal person? That you don't need the cape? That you don't need the... Basketball shorts. I'll do this very carefully. <laughs> but that you're actually called to embrace your humanity. That when James says that Elijah was as human as we are. He was a person just like you and me. He was just like us. There was nothing superhuman about Elijah or nothing superhuman about the, people, the other people that we see in Scripture that God did miraculous things through. What was super about them was their relationship with God. It was Him working through them that produced power and miracles. I don't know if you're encouraged by that, but I think I don't have to be anything that I'm not. I can just be normal me and allow God to do what He wants to do. You just be you and allow God to do what only He can do. You just be you and allow God to do what only he can do. Elijah was just like us. He was a human. He probably drank coffee. Big assumption. He, 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 he got dressed. He, he did all the normal things that humans do. There was nothing superhuman about him. And yet he saw miraculous things happen in his life. God used him in powerful ways. 
Not because he was set apart like a superhuman, but because he was submitted and he was surrendered to God and to God's purposes and God's plans. He was just like you and me. No difference. He was, he was just like you and me, a human, ordinary people. Do you know that God's glory is shown in your ordinary? Do you know that God's glory can be shown through your ordinary life, through, even through your lack of ability, even through what you think is failure, what you think is, is frailty, what you think is weakness. His glory, His power can shine through those things. And in this, in this encouragement, I think there might have been some thinking, you know, that's kind of for the super spiritual Christians that they see prayers answered. But everyone else that's normal, uh, they don't see this sort of, sort of stuff. We see in James's writing that he actually corrects uh, that there's, there's been some misinterpretation or they've been favoring people. He says that they're giving the, the priority seats to those who, who come in the gold and who drive the, the uh, Mercedes. He give, the, you're getting the better seats. And those who have nothing, those that are poor, we are kind of making them sit up the back. You're making a differentiation between people based on what they have. And he says, that's not right. God, God values everyone regardless of what they look like, what they have in their bank, bank account, what their education is. God loves them. And so we shouldn't prefer in that sense. And I reckon he's saying in this that there's probably people who, who have that kind of, you know, the badge of, of super spiritual and you, you see that they're, they're, God is just flowing through their lives. You see God, as they pray for the sick, they get healed. You see, as they pray with favor, they see favor on their job. You see all these things that are taking place in their lives and you think, man, I wish I was kind of like that. Well, this is a leveling scripture because it says that we're all on the same level, that they're no more superhuman than you are. But what is setting them apart, what is, what is possibly different, is the faith that we have when we pray. Is the faith that we're stepping into when we're praying. Is our prayer life, is our connection, our intimacy with Jesus and, and, and what He is saying and doing through us. Not that they are superhuman, but Elijah, just like us, was as human as you and me. Say that, he's just like you and me. Just ordinary like you and me. Say that. Just ordinary, turn to the person next to you and say, as ordinary as I am. If you're really brave, turn to the person next to you and say, as ordinary as you are. No, we're trying to build community, not break community. But he says this, that Elijah was just like you and me. Just like you and me. You and me, you and me. And God's power moved mightily through him. Let's go back to verse 13. It says there, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Encouragement on prayer. If you're having a difficult time, if life is tough, pray. If things are going crazy, pray. If you're going through turmoil, pray. It's a, real, it's a real simple, basic encouragement. But how many of us, when we go through stuff, we go to Facebook or we go to uh, someone else or we go to uh, you know, putting, posting it or writing a blog about it or um, telling everybody about it. But he says, if you're suffering hardship, pray. Pray, pray. If you're in, in difficulty, pray. And then he says, you should, if you're happy, sing praises. If you're happy, Sing praises. 
pray and praise. Pray and praise. Hardship, pray, happy, praises. And we know if you look at Scripture, you can see that those things can also be flipped around. When you're suffering hardship, praise. And when you're happy, pray. Everyone say that. Pray and praise. Pray and praise. If you're suffering hardship, pray. If you're happy, pray. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. That's important. If you're, you're looking at that, uh, if you're taking notes or you've got a pen there, maybe want to want to underline that, in the name of the Lord. But it says there you should call the elders. If you're sick, call the elders to come and pray. Can I say to you that this is still something that takes place today? That, the, that, that, that what we see in Scripture... As, as a church community, we, we do our best to be faithful to what, we've, what we're seeing in Scripture. And this is one of those things. If you are sick, you can call for the elders to come and anoint you with oil and pray for you. That is one of the channels that we see God clearly outlines in Scripture that is, that is a, possi- a possibility for people to, be, to experience healing. He says that this is one of the ways God can bring healing. Who knows? God can bring healing through many different avenues, many different ways. But in Scripture, it says there that if any of you are sick, call for the elders and they will come anoint you with oil and pray for you that you will be healed. It's one of those vehicles or channels by which God can can bring healing. It still happens today. I want to put that out to you. If you are sick and you have the faith to call an elder to come and pray for you, we can come and pray. There's three, we have three elders uh, based here in, in our Ellenbrook campus, myself, uh, Garfield and Pastor John. We'd love to come and pray for you. Now you might say, well, how come when I've been sick before the elders haven't come and prayed for me? The, I think the important thing here is that the, the instruction is given to the, the person that is sick, not to the elder. It says, if you are sick, then you call for the elders. It doesn't say elders to, to go and pray and anoint with oil. It says, if you are sick, why is that? And it says, and the prayer that is offered in faith shall bring healing. Why is that? Because it's dependent upon your faith in what God has said in that part of the scripture. Not upon the elder's faith. My calling of an elder to come and pray is me saying, I actually believe that that's one of the ways that God, one of the avenues that God can bring healing. And so I am in faith Acting on that, calling someone to come to pray so that that's my faith being exercised, being outworked through that avenue and the prayer of faith that comes with that. So he says there, call them. Such, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That can sound a little bit scary. What I, I don't think that what he was meaning was, you know, come up and grab the microphone on a Sunday and just tell everybody about your sins. That would be nuts. Can you imagine what would happen? But what I think he is saying is that in relationship, in community, in the people that you're doing, share life with, you can be vulnerable with, you can open up and say, this is, this is my failing, this is where I have missed it, this is where I've sinned, I need some prayer for restoration, I need prayer for, for, uh, for, for just my heart to be in alignment with God again. Another one of the beautiful things of community is that we get to journey together, highs and lows, Ups, downs, brokenness, 
wholeness, healing, to pray together, to, to, to have those relationships. Can I ask you, do you have people in your life that you can just sit down with and say, look, this is what's happening? Have you got people in your life that you can open your heart to and just say, you know what, I'm struggling in this area. I need you to pray with me. Have you cultivated those relationships? Here's the thing, they don't just, a lot of it's the time, they don't just happen by coming to a Sunday service. It takes commitment to each other. It takes time to invest into each other. It takes trust to develop between us so that we can open our hearts to each other and say, I really need someone to stand with me on this. Again, don't just hear that and say, oh, I'm not kind of there, and I'll just leave it. This is an encouragement to us for wholeness and healing, to be in relationship with people, to grow together, to do life together, to, to, to grow in our relationship with Jesus and with one another. But it says there again, as I said before, when Elijah was just as human as we are, and yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Three and a half years. Let me ask you, is that an exaggeration? No. That's what actually took place. Three and a half years. He prayed. And then for three and a half years, it did not rain until again he prayed. Just like you and I. I want you to think about that. Because we, we can take the, the, the scriptures and we can turn them into Sunday school lessons or uh, ideas or stories that entertain us or encourage us, but we, we, we disconnect from the reality of them. This actually happened. This man prayed, and for three and a half years, there was no rain. Just like you and I, but he prayed, and something miraculous took place. Something incredible took place. Can we have a look at the prayer in 1 Kings? This is, this is the, the prayer of Elijah. I don't know if you've ever thought of what that prayer looked like. It says, Elijah, was, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord... The God of Israel lives, the God I serve. There will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. That sounds like a pretty confident prayer. That sounds like the prayer of someone who understands the authority that they have. When James says the, the earnest or the fervent prayer, you know, that, that phrase, that whole phrase in the Greek, it, it, it's actually trans, translated many different ways in different versions of, of Scripture, in different tra uh, translations. And I think that's because of the, the complexity in catching the essence of what that means is, is limited with the English language. We have words for different things, but we possibly miss a bit. And a part of that understanding of the earnest prayer is it's not a double-minded prayer. It's not, oh, I, I kind of maybe, kind of maybe think, you know, could you kind of maybe like not make it uh, rain three years, maybe, kind of maybe. It's not a, like a, a double-minded kind of thing. It's like, I believe that God, if this is your will, then you are able to do this. And I'm going to partner my word and my prayer, my declaration of faith with what you are able to do. 
earnest, fervent, working out prayer. And Elijah had an understanding of the authority that he had been given. You know, I talked before about the, the superhuman, the clothes that we kind of cloak ourselves with to, to make ourselves feel like we're superhuman or pretend that we've got superpowers. But do you know that Scripture actually speaks of those who come into Christ being clothed with the robes of righteousness? You know what's better than a cape? Is the righteousness that is given to you in Christ Jesus. The earnest or fervent prayers of a righteous man are extremely powerful. Where do you get your righteousness from? It's not by your works. It's not by your goodness. It's not by your good deeds. It's given to you by Christ Jesus himself. He is the one who makes us righteous. So if you are in Christ Jesus, are you righteous? Let me ask that question because this is part of what can get misunderstood and affects the way we pray or affects our identity. If you are in Christ Jesus, are you righteous? Yes. Not a trick question. You are made righteous by Jesus. And He clothes you in something that is far greater than a cape or a uh, snorkel set or anything like that. He gives us the robes of righteousness. This is actually addressing you. When we put our faith in Jesus, our saving faith in Him, He saves us and He clothes us in righteousness. He says that you are my child. You are my child. He gives us authority as we understand our identity. He gives us authority as we walk in intimacy. Can I ask you this morning, do you know who you are in Jesus Christ? Because that will affect how you pray. That will affect the faith that you have. If, I go into, um, if, I, if, if my kids come into my house... And they're hungry. They know where to find food. But if they ask dad for food, they know that dad's going to give them food when I finish watching the footy. But I'm going to give them food. If they walk into someone else's house and they ask for food, they're probably going to feel a little bit out of place, right? If I know that my, my dad is the king and that he has clothed me in righteousness... It's going to change and affect the way that I interact with him. Not that I make demands of him, but that I know who I am, I know whose I am, I know what authority I stand in, and so that is going to change the way that I pray. Huh? It's Jack! Oh, can someone please organize the money for the pizza? I'll take cash and Bitcoin. <laughs> cash or Bitcoin is all he's accepting. Um, yeah, we're just going to organize something. Can you just turn around for a minute? Kids, Jack is here. <laughs> Mob him. No, no, don't take, don't take it into your own hands. What should we do when we're threatened? Pray, good, good call. But who should we call? Not the Ghostbusters. 
Who should we call? The police. What's the number for the police? 911. <laughs> 000. Okay, I need every kid in this place to stand up with me and we're going to call the police. And Allenbrook's a small place, so they're going to hear. Ready? On the count of three, we're going to say zero, zero, zero. Ready? One, two, three. Zero, zero, zero. You've got to do it louder. I don't think they heard. Let's do it one more time. Zero, zero, zero. Ready? Happy? Whoa! Is that the police? Yeah, we did. This guy's trying to steal our money. Stop in the name of law. <laughs> You're done, Jack. <laughs> Please send me Bitcoin. <laughs> well done, kids. We'll get our pizza still. Hey, police officer, could just leave Jack off? He's going to sort out his cryptocurrency. <laughs> Why don't you come out here for a moment? Let me ask you, what gives this guy authority? It's not the muscles. <laughs> Amber, you're taking a photo. Videoing. <laughs> it's not the muscles. It's the uniform and the badge that give him authority. He has been given the authority of the Commonwealth of Australia to protect and serve. He has been delegated authority. Now, if I tried to stop Jack Rad, I don't have the authority. But as soon as he says, stop in the name of the law, he exercises the authority that has been given to him by the police. Thanks, officer. You can go back to Ellenbrook Station now. Appreciate you. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have been given authority in Jesus. Know who you are. Know how you've been clothed. And stand in the authority that he has given you. Now, what's important as well is that, you know, as that, that police officer who I've never met in my life before, as he came in, he would have had a badge. And his badge is a sign of his authority. But how many of us know that he can use that badge for the wrong reasons? I don't know if you've ever seen a movie, but, but there's police officers that like to hijack uh, Ferraris during high-speed chases to get a, a high-speed chase. They pull out the badge and they say, I'm going to need that car. You know that a police officer doesn't have the right to, take, to, to use that badge to, to get the car to take home for himself. Although he probably could use that badge, that bit of authority, to stop someone in the street and say, hey, I'm going to need your car. That's using it for wrong gain. That's using it in the wrong way. One of the things that police officers have to do as, they are, are being, as they're going through the academy is they have to study the Commonwealth law. They have to look at what is the, the constitution, what are the rights, what are the laws of the land. Do you know, as Christians, we should be students of the kingdom of God. The kingdom by which we've been delegated authority. The kingdom by which we wear the badge as Jesus has cloaked us in righteousness. 
to know what the scope is of the kingdom, what, the, what, the, what, what, what we're charged with, what we're called to do, how we are called to pray, what we are able to do in Christ Jesus. So that we're not using authority for our own benefit or our own gain or our own good, but to enforce the will of Jesus, to, to, to bring forth the, 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 the kingdom of God to see his will done. But Elijah, just a man like you and I, prayed fervently and saw incredible things happen. I want to encourage us today to, to not just put prayer down the bottom of the list in our lives, but to bring it to the rightful place where we pray with faith, knowing who we are, knowing who we've been called to, to represent, knowing the authority and the power that we walk in. I'm going to pray, and I want to pray for us uh, to, to know Jesus and to know what He has called us to, to know what, he's, he, what, what He has anointed us for and the authority that He has given. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.